Amen. 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 Father, we thank you for what we just heard. There is power in the name of Jesus. So much power, it raised Jesus from the dead. It lives in each and every one of us. And we thank you, Lord. You made us precious promises in your word. And we love them, Lord. And we teach them to your people. And Lord, there's power just in the name of Jesus. There's power for healing. Most of all, there's power for salvation. And then healing, Lord. Then deliverance, Lord. And so many other things. That's power in the name of Jesus. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. We give you the glory, Lord. Let us know at the church today. Let us move forth with power into this world in 2023. Let us move with power in the authority of Jesus Christ. And let the gospel get to those unknown places that need to get there, where it needs to get to, the people that have not heard. Lord, there's radio, there's TV, there's internet, and all kind of ways to get there, Lord. And Father, there's missionaries that go out, people that go to different tribes around the world, Lord, speaking to them, some that don't even have a written language. And Lord, we pray that the gospel hits every nation this year. And Father, we look forward to your soon return to rapture us out of here. Lord, we give you the glory, the praise, and the honor forever. Lord, be with us as we study your word today. Let us hear what your Holy Spirit has to say. And may you always receive the glory. And give us the power to apply it and the courage to apply your word into our life as we go into this world this week, this year, all the days of our lives. And to you be the glory. We bind back the devil with the power that we have in the name of Jesus Christ. We bind back the devil and his, and his plans against us, his schemes against us, because we know that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against rulers. It's against powers. It's against spiritual forces of wickedness, even in heavenly places. So we bind back the devil by the authority that we have, the power that is in the mighty name of Jesus. And to you be the glory, Father. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated, church. For those online, we're glad you're tuned in. This is Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're glad you're there. Um, you know, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 10 today. Um, but before we go on, so get your Bibles out on, online and those here. According to Colossians chapter 1 and verse 10 to 14, we're going to be at today. But for those online, this is Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We've been in this location for eight years. The church is over 10 years old, and we thank you all that participated in, in the blessings that we have here in this church. Um, we're at 2810 High Pluxo Road in Lantana, Florida. We're on the north border of Boynton Beach, or High Pluxo Road, which is the border between North Border Boynton Beach and South. Uh, Lantana. So if you're a local, come on by. We're here every Sunday at 10 a.m. You know, um, and we're here, you know, we have that program is aired. You're at freedomchurchpb.org. You um, 
you know that where we're at, we get our address there. You can find our list of ministries. You can watch past services. You can even donate online should you be led by the Holy Spirit. God loves a cheerful giver. Remember that. So um, if you're local, 2810 High Paluxo Road, we're a quarter mile west of I-95 on the north side of the road. So if you're local, uh, come on by and visit us and bring your family with you. And um, if you're if you're local men, we have a men's Bible study every Saturday at 9 a.m. It is not aired, but we have a good group of guys that love the Lord Jesus, and, and we study the Word of God, and, and we actually talk to one another. You can actually get to know your brother. Um, so that's about it for, for us here. Um, I'm going to continue. Listen, I've, I've been working on... Just so you know, this is Colossians that we're in today, chapter 1, verse 10 through 14. But I've been working on a study of the Beatitudes, which in Matthew, I know in Matthew we're well past chapter 5, but there's eight Beatitudes that I'm going to be bringing to you next week, starting next week. Hopefully we'll get through it in one session. If not, we'll do two. But I'm going to, I'm going to list the Beatitude. We're going to find out the meaning of the Beatitude. We're going to find out the reward of the attitude. We're going to find out scriptural examples of that parable. And we're going to find out how to apply that, par- that, that beatitude into our lives. So it's an in-depth study that I'm working on. So, and it's something I, I don't know if anybody ever taught that way. You know, the, you know, the, the scripture, the meaning, you know, the, the, uh, the reward the scriptural examples, and how to apply it to our life. So we're going to see how that goes. I've been excited about it, been working on it uh, at least several weeks ago. You know, So next week we're going to be in the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5, and starting in verse 3, I believe it is. So Theron just passed out some papers that I passed out last week. This is our second week in this study, and a lot of you... Um, have not, um, a lot of you weren't here last week because it was New Year's Day, and I don't know if everybody goes to family or whatever, but I wanted to, just going to do a quick review. I only did the ninth verse last week, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9, but I pulled out some, several things that I want you to know. Theron passed out a sheet, looks like this, it's double columned. Okay, and it has basically 12 points of Paul's prayer for the Colossian church. This is, it actually has 12 points to Paul's prayer for the Colossian church. So I'm going to read uh, verse 1, and then we'll tackle, just to give it a quick review. Um, For this reason... We also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that, and I'm losing my place here, and to desire that ye might be filled with all knowledge of his will and all wisdom and in spiritual understanding. So there's three points right there, and I went through them last week. Number one, Paul's prayer for the Colossian church is he's praying for 
them to be filled with all knowledge of God's will. Of all knowledge of God's will. That's what Paul is praying for the Colossian church. Micah 6.8 tells us a little bit about God's will, really, He's for the church. He said, He hath showed thee, you old man, what is good and right, to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So he wants us to have a knowledge of him, okay? To do justly, to love mercy, and walk humbly. And that's the way the Lord himself is. The Lord is merciful. You would not have salvation if it was not for his mercy. He is, he, he, he wants you to love him and walk with him humbly. Not like a, a, a powerful leader with a scepter of power and authority that leads just the way he wants to go, but a humble servant, a humble leader. And that humble leader is going to do the third part of that. To, he's going to do justly. He's, not, he's going to be a man of justice. And that's what God wants you to be, a just man, full of mercy, and walking humbly with God. He wants you to walk worthy. Number two, he's praying that you be filled with all wisdom. And I brought out to you 2 Timothy 1.7. God hath not given you a spirit of fear, He's not, but a spirit of power and love and of sound mind. He wants you to know wisdom with a sound mind. And he has given that to you. Proverbs 1.7 says, Fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Listen, fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and knowledge of and wisdom from God. All saints are given a sound mind. A fool despises wisdom. If you lack wisdom, James tells us that all you gotta do is ask God for it, and he'll give it to you. But you have to ask in faith. If you don't ask in faith, you're like a, a, a bottle tossed on every wave of the ocean with wild winds. You're just, you know, if you don't have, have um, if you don't believe, if you lack that wisdom, and you're a double-minded man, you're unstable in all your ways, James goes on to tell you in chapter 1 of ver in verse 8. Double-minded man, keep that in mind, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So you believers that rock between heaven and earth, you know what? God's telling you to get your feet in both in the kingdom of God. Don't waver back and forth. I, I, I mentioned last week Elisha up on Mount Carmel. Whenever all the Israelites were calling on Baal to bail them out, to, to burn up the sacrifice, and I, Elijah gave them all day to call upon Baal, and Baal didn't answer. And he even teased, teased the people, saying he must have went on vacation. Or maybe he's asleep. And then at the end of the day, after the Israelites were cutting themselves, trying to get Baal's attention, it was, it was now Elijah's turn. And Elijah built an altar, and he put the sacrifice on the altar, and he filled the trench with water, 
And then he called on God, and fire came down from heaven and burned up the sacrifice and lapped up all the water in the trench. And Elisha said, here's what he said. He said, don't waver between two opinions. If Baal is God, then you serve him. But if the Lord is God, you serve him. Don't be double-minded. Let's serve in the Lord. We're serving the Lord. We're not here to serve, you know, to serve um, our own lusts of the flesh, the lusts of the eyes and the boastful prides of our life. We're here to serve God. And, of course, you know the outcome of that if you've been a Christian for any period of time. The prophets of Baal were killed, and the people cried out, The Lord, the Lord God, He is God. The Lord is God. And that's what we need to cry in the Christian church for 2023 this year. Cry for the Lord because He is God. Not the government of the United States. Not the government of Russia or China. It's God. We're to cry out to God and God alone. Number three, Paul's prayer is for spiritual understanding. Spiritual understanding. Spiritual ignorance is a constant source of error for the church, for the world. Instability, and it's a cause of source of sorrow. Spiritual understanding is needed by the church and by the world itself. Practically the whole world has heard the Ten Commandments. And not only that, Practically the whole world has heard the Beatitudes of Jesus. They practically have heard everything. The source of, of humility and unselfishness in the Beatitudes that Jesus has given to us. And by the way, God the Father gave us the Ten Commandments, and Jesus gave us the Beatitudes, the Son of God. Your walk, then, should be based on the knowledge of God and understanding. You're required to handle the Word of God accurately, and that's what the pastors are supposed to do. We need to handle the Word accurately. And I mentioned like a musketeer who, who has a sword and his arm behind his back. He's so skilled with his sword, which you have a sword, which is the Word of God, okay? You are to be so skilled with the Word of God that... You don't even really need the shield. Your sword is your weapon. Your sword, you know, shield's only needed if it's necessary. But your, your, your sword, your sword of God brings life. The sword of man brings death. You use the sword of God on somebody and they accept Jesus as their, their Savior. They have been born again and they are now a servant of God. They, 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 that sword brought them eternal life as they believe on the Lord Jesus as they read through the Bible. We find in the Old Testament that Jesus is coming. We find out in the New Testament He's come. He's already been here. What does the Lord require? You know, and I brought out several points and it's on your paper there. You're to read the Word of God all the days of your life, says Jeremiah. I'm, I'm going to go through these fast because we went through them last week. 
You're going to read the Word of God every day of your life. 17, Deuteronomy 17, 19. You're to meditate on the Word of God. Joshua 1, 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. You're to obey the Word of God. Samuel told Saul, King Saul, he says, to obey is better than sacrifice. You're to memorize the Word of God. How, how can you young men and young women keep your way pure? It's by keeping it according to God's Word. Now, how do you know what God's Word is unless you meditate on your heart? For your heart, your Word, I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. You need to memorize it. Keep it in your heart so that you don't sin against God. So if you, you have to know the Word so you know what sin is. You're to eat the Word of God, says Jeremiah. He said, I found your words in the temple that was left barren and, and by all the bad kings. And he said, we found your word and I did eat them. And they became the joy and the delight of my heart. And he didn't eat the paper scrolls. He was saying, I digested what I was reading. And it became the delight of my heart and the joy of my salvation, really. Not only that, we're to study it. We're to study it because Paul also told the Timothy, he says, study and show yourself approved unto God. We need to study it. We need to hear it because faith comes by hearing. That's why you're supposed to be in church. Those that are here, praise the Lord. Those that are online, you're in church partially because you're not getting the exhortation and the fellowship that you would have if you were in a local church. Forsake not the assembling of ourselves together, as is the habit of some, and all the more as the time draws near, and the time of Christ's return is drawing near. You need to be, you're, you're, you're being encouraged and exalted, or um, exhorted in church. You need to get there. That doesn't happen over the TV or over the Internet, you know, where you're just listening to a person. You need the fellowship one with another. Forsake not the fellowship of one another, says the Word of God. Hebrews 10. You're to grow in grace and in knowledge of the Lord. That means you have to study, just like was set up above. You're to hear it, you study it, you know, you're to grow in it. That means as a, a baby would grow into a young man, and a young man into a to a older, uh, a middle-aged man, you know, we're to grow in our knowledge of God. We're not just supposed to let it go in this ear and out the other. We have to grow in the knowledge of it. And not only that, we're supposed to live it. And everything whatsoever you do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks. And then base, the number 10 is you're to fall in love with Messiah. You fall in love with the Word of God, you are falling in love with Jesus Christ because He is the Word of God. You wonder why Jesus knew what Daniel was, or Nathaniel was saying under the fig tree? Because He knew it. He is the Word of God. And that's what got Nathaniel. You saw me while I was under the fig tree? 
How could that possibly be unless from God and I were you he were you were there. How would you know? So you're going to read the Word of God, meditate on the Word of God, obey the Word of God, memorize the Word of God, eat the Word of God, hear the Word of God, study the Word of God, live the Word of God, and fall in love with Messiah. But I have this against you. You have left your first love. Therefore, remember the height from which you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first. God's calling us back to when we got saved. We were fired up. We had zeal all over the place. When we met Jesus for the first time, we were so fired up for God that, that nobody could stop us. Your friends could make fun of you. Your parents could deny you. But you said, I don't care. I'm going anyway. I don't care if you go with me. I'm going to follow God. God's saying, return to that. Return to that. Because this whole generation is trying to bring that down on believers today. Families, friends, loved ones. Here's the application of what we just read. The truth will set you free, but you must know the truth. If you don't know the truth, how are you going to, to uh, apply the truth? If you don't know it. And Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He will set you free. But you have to know him. If you don't know him, then you can't apply these things to your life. The truth is right here. It's the word of God. This is the truth. Every word that came out of Jesus' mouth was the truth. From day one, Genesis 1-3, and the Lord said, let there be light. That was Jesus. And the Lord said, that was, that was, let there be light. He's the word of God. Colossians 1-10. I'm going to read 10 through 14 now. Colossians 1, 10 through 14. Remember Paul's prayer. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power, and all patience and longsuffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of his Son, in whom we have redemption through the blood and for, for the forgiveness of our sins. Here's number four of of. Paul's prayer. Paul is praying that you walk worthy of the Lord. We need to walk worthy of the Lord. For as many as are led by the Spirit of the God are the sons of God. You're to walk worthy. 
1 John 2, 6 says this, The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. So we are to walk the way the Lord himself walked. Being led by the Spirit. In number five of Paul's prayer, walk pleasing to the Lord. Walk pleasing to the Lord. Romans 6 1 says it pretty clear, all one through four, really basically, and I'll read it to you. What shall we say then? Paul's telling us, telling the Romans, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? See, if you continue in sin, you are not walking pleasing to the Lord. So get that straight and through our head. What shall we say then? Shall you continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? You died to your sin. You were crucified with Christ, remember? It's no longer Christ who lives. It's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. Or did we forget that? Don't sin to the best of our ability. Of course we're going to sin. We're sinners. But you know what God's saying? Do your very, very best. Don't continue in sin. If you know it's a sin, cut it off. That's called repentance, turning from it. Verse 3, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? See, we were baptized in water. You were dunked under completely. It's like your grave. You're like you're putting that dead man in his grave. I had one, one guy tell me one time when I was first saved about, about baptism because I was afraid to do it because, you know, I was raised in a denomination that you just sprinkled, you know. I knew my parents were going to be really upset. You know, but my friend said, he said, if you've been dead for, um, you know, three weeks, you better bury that carcass so it doesn't stink up the room. You got to bury yourself. You got to get, you know, you got to, you know, that's the symbol of, of death, of 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 water baptism, to bury of yourself and rising anew in Christ. So, we were baptized into Christ Jesus. We were also baptized into his death. He died on the cross. Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also shall walk in the newness of life. He's telling you right here, you know, I was, you're baptized into his death, but Christ was raised up and so were you. You come out of the water, you're raised up, a symbol of being raised up to a new walk of life, newness of life, to be born again. And I, don't, I know every, a lot of people out there hate to hear that word born again, but I didn't say it. Jesus said it. He said it twice in two verses of John chapter 3. He said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Don't be, don't be afraid or, or don't, be, don't worry about, I said you must be born again. Don't worry about it. 
If you, if you were buried with Christ, if you identify with Christ, if you believe he died on the cross with all your heart, believe that he was raised from the dead, you, your life should have changed. If it didn't change, there's something wrong with the way you did it. It has to be yours. It has to be your life has to change. Like Billy Graham said, and I mentioned it many times from the pulpit, Billy Graham's crusades, he always said, come as you are. Yes, we're to come as we are. We're sinners. But don't leave the same way. You get up from that altar, you're a new creature. You've just been born again. You're, 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 you should have changed. You should have, if you like this, if you like the... Uh, Sinning? Well, you don't like sinning no more. You're changed. You're a different person. So that's what it's saying here. Paul's praying that they be pleasing to the Lord by turning from their sin, from being baptized in water and arising a new creature to a new life, a newness of life, it says right here. And you know that he told the Corinthians church, Paul was amazing. He said, if any of you be in Christ, you are a new creature. The old things passed away. So when you got up from the altar, you should have been a different creature. All the old things are passed away. All the sin, the lust, the depravity is gone. You raise up a clean new person. And then what the Lord's telling you is stay as clean as you possibly can. But the Lord went out and cleaned us up himself. I think of the one person that I know that was in Bible college with me, she said she would have had a chance to preach, and, and she said, you know what? Um, the master told us to stay inside and stay clean. And you're pretend like you're a little puppy. And the master's saying, stay inside. But the puppies are looking out the sliding door. And they see that it's raining out there, but they want to get out and play in the mud. So somehow the, ma the dogs got themselves out the door, and they got all rolling around in the mud. They got dirty and covered with, with dirt. And the master says, oh, man, I got to go out and get them. They need a bath. So he goes out and gets them, brings them in. But in the process, the master got dirty. He was covered with your sin and my sin to the point where even the Father turned his face from him. But in the process, he cleaned us up. He got dirty because of our sin. In the process, we were cleaned up because he took us in and gave us a bath. He bathed us in his precious blood. And then the Master, since he was clean and had not sinned. Death had no dominion over him. So his, that sin that was upon him just was faded away to nothing. You were clean, he was clean, and we, through Christ, live in a newness of life, being born again. It's kind of a decent way to look at it. The master got dirty, coming to get us and redeeming us. And we thank the Lord for that. Paul's prayer, number six, be faithful in all good works. Be faithful in all good works. So Matthew chapter 7, beware of false prophets. 
Be fruitful in all good work. Beware of the false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorns and figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree brings forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree brings, bad, brings forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth fruit is honed down and cast into the fire, wherefore by their fruits you will know them. So Paul is telling you, you know, he's telling the Colossian church and praying for them to be fruitful in good works. And how do you know what the good works are? Well, the good works, if you're doing good works, you will be obey the, 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 the law at this time. Jesus lived in the time of the Mosaic law, and he followed the Mosaic law to a T. And he was telling them, you know what's good. There's 10 commandments. And then there's another 603 commandments. You know what's good and right. He's saying, you, you know. If somebody comes to you t- t- telling you differently, that it's okay to uh, be, be a Christian and do drugs, say, for example. Well, that's a, that's a bad example. You know, you can't, you have to be, a good tree will produce good fruit. If you abide in me, Jesus said, and my words abide in you, you can ask whatever you will and it will be done for, for you. Herein is the Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. God's disciples are to bear good fruit. Good fruit is like apples and oranges. You know, you know what I'm talking about. It's it's uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, long-suffering, self-control. You know these things. They knew what the, he was talking about. They knew what he was talking about, and we too know what he's talking about when he says bear good fruit. If I go out and do things that are against the Ten Commandments or against God or against the, the Beatitudes that Jesus gave, then... Um, it's not walking worthily. It's not being fruitful in good works. It's being fruitful in, in evil works. We're to turn from that. Remember, you come to the altar as you were, you leave a different person. And you stay a different person. That person at the altar died with Christ, and you raise up a new creature, walks out the door. Paul is praying for also for the Colossian church to increase in the knowledge of God. And we went over that in, in the uh, ten points I brought out, you know, that, that we are to show ourselves approved unto God and handle accurately the word of truth. Handle accurately the word of God. How you get to handle the word of God accurately is by reading it, hearing it, and applying it, and knowing it. Colossians 1.11 also says, Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power and all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. Joshua tells us in chapter 1 and verse 6, he says, Be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. You have to be strong and of good courage. He goes on in the ninth verse to say, 
have I not commanded you? A few verses later, to be strong and be of good courage and be not afraid. You know, this is Joshua writing it, but it comes from Almighty God. God's telling you to, to be strong, to be courageous, strengthen yourself. Be of good courage. You know, I looked up in this verse, there's the word patience and long-suffering. And I'm thinking, like, isn't that the same? Patience and long-suffering? So I went to the Greek concordance, and actually patience, it comes under G5281. It means endurance. Patience means endurance with cheerfulness. Endurance with cheerfulness. Then I looked up long-suffering, and it's Strong's G3115, and it means with fortitude and perseverance. So, you know what? Paul's just giving more adjectives to describe patience and long-suffering. It's not only being patient and suffering long, it's enduring with the cheerfulness. And it's also uh, fortitude and perseverance, with perseverance. He's saying, have I not commanded you? to be patient, to be long-suffering. And you do it with all your might. It's kind of like the number one commandment. You shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Paul's prayer for the... for the... Um, for the Colossian church, number nine, have his glorious power. We sang, there's power in the name of Jesus today. Here's what Jesus said, John 14, 12, and this verse throws Christian churches in all different directions. Verily, verily, I say to you, he that believeth on me and the works that I do, he shall do also, and greater works. And these shall he do, because I go to the Father. The works are still being done. We can do greater works than Jesus. You know, you say to yourself, how can I possibly do greater works than Jesus? The greatest God-man that ever lived, the famous God that ever lived, the famous man that ever lived, the God-man Jesus. How could you do better than Jesus? The answer is not in really in, in having a blind person see or a lame person walk or a mute person speak. The greatest of all works is the salvation of a soul. The salvation of a soul is the greatest. I mean, I preached many times in the past. Jesus, people approached Jesus with carnal problems. But as he ministered to the carnal problems and even healed them and delivered them, you know, he also switched them over to spiritual side. Like the woman of the well, she, you know, she, um, she was wondering why a Jew would be asking her for anything. And he told her about her, him, uh, he told her about herself. 
to which she believed. And then he turned her to identify. He actually said to her, she said, well, the Messiah, when he comes, he'll, he'll show us these things. And he said, I who speak to you am him or him. And right there she changed. She ran into the city. She got all the men that she knew and everybody she knew was spread out. I you know, preached, you know, that I saw a man that, that, that told me everything about my life. He could be the Messiah. He is the Messiah, whatever she said. Greater works is for the soul. God is, is for the soul, to bring people to the, to the Word of God. The blind man in John chapter 9, Jesus healed him. He took off. The, 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 the Pharisees got him and said, what did this guy say to you? He said, what did this man? He said, he's a man. Then the, then the blind guy said, well, obviously you asked me what he is. I believe he's a prophet. And he said, well, you're a prophet. Then he said, you know, are you, a dis are you one of his disciples? And he said, do you want to be his disciple too? See, Jesus turned him from blind, being blind, seeing nothing, to not only seeing something carnally, but seeing spiritually. He said, all I know is once I was blind and now I see. I was blind to spiritual things and now I see spiritual things. I see the Messiah. Jesus always did that. That's the number one greater work, the salvation of a soul. So as you lead somebody to the Lord, there's no greater miracle than that. But that also includes... You can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Or I'll throw that bar first out of the Bible. Huh? If any of you are sick, let him call for the elders of the church. Let him pray over him, anointing him with oil. And the prayer of faith will heal the sick. And if he has any sins, it will be forgiven. What? These signs will accompany those who believe in my name. In my name, they'll cast out demons. Oh, boy. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll drink deadly poison and it won't hurt them. There's power in the name of Jesus. We need to open up to it, church. We need to believe these things. Always go for the soul first. Sometimes Jesus healed their flesh to get to their soul. Most of the time he did that. And that's what we need to do. Maybe, maybe God will... Take a heathen before your eyes and heal them. And then you need to make sure that you tell them where it came from. The power came from the Lord Jesus Christ who laid down his life at the cross and took it up again three days later according to the scriptures and you need to believe in him. He's the one. I didn't do a thing. I just happened to be there. That's the way you look at it. Paul's praying that they have his glorious power and God wants us to have his glorious power today, too. Now, there's a place for everything. I mean, things, people are sick. Don't blame it on God. God created a perfect world. You messed it up. I messed it up. I'm a sinner. It was perfect. Everything flowed together. No creature ate any other creature. Adam and Eve were perfect. 
The Garden of Eden was perfect. The animals were perfect. And the devil, who had his free will, chose the wrong will, and he came down and ruined it for Adam and Eve and for us today. So when the next hurricane comes your way or tornado or storm in your life, don't blame it on God. Blame it on you because you're a sinner. God did everything perfect. We messed it up. That word healing includes physical, spiritual, includes deliverance. Salvation is the main point. Physical healing, spiritual healing, emotional healing, all included in the greater works. You shall do greater works than me, because I go to the Father. Paul's prayer to the Colossian church number 10, that they have all patience. There's that word patience again. You know, I quoted Galatians 5. You know, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control, faithfulness, gentleness, patience. I learned this years and years ago. Patience is a weapon. It will force deception to reveal itself. So if you wait patiently on the Lord, if there's anything evil in it, it will be revealed. Because time has a way of doing those things. Here's what Martin Luther said. When the devil finds that he cannot overcome persons by force, he tries to overcome them in the long run. Sound familiar? I got that going on in my life now. I had it going on years ago. And I know I told you, my father, God told me he was going to save my dad. It was a rhema word from God to me. I stood on that for 18 years. Every time somebody says, your dad will never get saved, I'm there, I don't care what you said. I know what God told me. So the devil tried to defeat me and my faith in the long run, but I wasn't going to let go. And dad got saved a couple years before he passed. Right now I'm holding on to that for my children. Because in that rhema word, it said, the Lord said, you and your household will be saved. My household then was my children. I'm holding on to that today. And I'm telling you, it's dim. But you know what? As before God, I know what he said. And I'm not giving up on it. Even if I'm dead, I'm going to believe that I will see them in the kingdom of heaven when they come and repent. And it hurts. Love hurts. If you want to know if love hurts, just ask Jesus. He loved you so much. He went through all that for you and for me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, he can't defeat you in the, in, the, in the short run. He'll defeat you, try to defeat you in the long run. Don't give in to him. You will need to withstand his continual assaults. 
and be long-suffering and patiently wait upon the Lord. Here's a new thought. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. The Lord, they that wait upon them renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Isn't that a good one? Wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. Paul's prayer number 11. A prayer to have all long suffering. Remember I told you that means fortitude and perseverance. Here's what Luther said on that, on that part. Long suffering is the quality which enables a person to bear adversity, bear injury and reproach, and make them patient to wait for the improvement of those who have done them wrong. Wait patiently. Long-suffering is going to bear you some adversity, some injury, some reproach, but you're to remain patient. Remember what I told you? Patience is a weapon that will, will force deception to reveal itself. And when the deception is revealed, now you know how to attack the problem. You attack the problem in the mighty name of Jesus. And tell that demonic thing to get out of your life in Jesus' name. Because now you probably recognize what evil force that is. Whether it's hatred or, or, or whatever. And number, four, number 12, Paul's prayer is to, for them to have joy. Here's Nehemiah 8.10. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and lend portions to them who, whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto the Lord. Neither be ye sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know why Paul's telling them? Colossian church went through a lot. You can read about it in, in Revelation. You know what? God was preparing them. Your joy will be your strength under persecution. Then we see an example of this when Paul and Silas are thrown into the Philippian jail. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. Their bonds were loosed. Their handcuffs, their chains on their feet were loosed. Listen, I've prayed many times in my life just like you. There were times when I didn't feel, well, let's see, all the times I never felt the earth shake. But I'm telling you what, I felt the demonic forces of hell be shaken with that prayer, whatever prayer you pray. I could picture the, the gates of hell being shaken right when Paul was doing this. The gates of hell were being shaken, and, and, and they're praising God in their sufferings. The joy of the Lord is their strength. 
and the foundations of the earth were shaken. I could just picture what hell looked like at this time. If their ceilings, they were falling down on Satan as he sat upon his makeshift throne. And his demons are coming in. Lord, Lord, devil. We're, oh, oh, my forces are crippled and they're shaking. That's what the gates of hell, when you pray, that's what happens. When you have the joy of the Lord on you, the gates of hell are shaken. When I preached in Guatemala, I think I mentioned it not too long ago, I was called to preach the Sunday. We were leaving Monday morning. It was Sunday night. Sunday night is their main service in Brazil. And they wanted an older person to preach because most of the team was young. I was the oldest one in the team. And they said they wanted me to preach because I'm the oldest and they respect the older people. So I was like 68 at the time. And I preached... And you know what? I had to have a, a translator there because they speak uh, Portuguese. And it's hard, <laughs> you know, to preach with a translator. But I know the audience was kind of quiet. I didn't preach long, 20 minutes or so. But when I got to the part, I said, we, we prayed over many churches, over many people while we were here these 10 days. And I said, I did not feel the gates of hell. Uh, I did not feel the earthquake or the ground shaken. I said, but I know the gates of hell were shaken. And they just busted out in applause because they knew what I was talking about. And you should too. The gates of hell were shaken when we pray. Even when it seems like they don't go up very far. They are. They were already in the Father's mind and heart before well, it was welling up in your heart, as you well know. The implication is they sang to him. And I think we, the Christian church, have a ways to go on that. I think a lot of, a, of the hype is show. God doesn't want a show. He wants your heart. He wants you to have joy, even if you're in bondage. He wants you to celebrate in song, sing a hymn. So when you pray, joy removes your bondage. It sets your captives, it sets captives free, and you might be one of the captives, and it certainly shakes the gates of hell. The application for this whole thing, really, is that our walk is based on our knowledge of God and the understanding of His will. That means you need to know the Word of God. And Colossians 12 goes on. I'll just go through it quickly. God, Paul wants us to give thanks. He says, give thanks unto the Father. Paul wants us to, to give thanks to the Father. Why? Because we have an inheritance in heaven. We have been delivered from eternal death. We have been born again. We've been made new creatures. He actually 
redeemed us and rescued us from where we were headed, which wasn't a good place. And on top of that, he forgave us for everything that we've sinned against him and continues to. If you confess your sins, he is continually faithful to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's the verb tense. He is continually forgiving you your sins because you've been washed in the blood. Remember when Jesus took the towel at the disciples at the Last Supper and he began to wash their feet? And Peter said, no, you can't wash my feet. I need to wash your feet. And Jesus said, no, you are clean, but your feet are dirty. See, we've been made clean by the blood of Jesus, but we get our feet dirty. Like, like going out into the mud, like that, those two puppies would go out into the mud. And the master had to go get them. We get our feet dirty, but you're clean because you've received Christ as your Savior and you've confessed him with your mouth and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. So if you haven't done that over the internet or here, please do it. Your eternal life rests upon it. Yes, do it with all your heart. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your message, Lord. Your word, so beautiful. So much in your word that can never be brought out by mere men. But someday, we're going to see you just as you are. And we're longing for that day. As I prayed earlier today, may 2023 be that day. Not that we see you in physical death, but we see you in the clouds coming back to rapture your people out of here and take the restrainer away so that we can get on to the wedding feast of the Lamb so we can sit with you, look into your beautiful eyes and soul and heart and praise your holy name. To you be the glory, Lord God, our Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, and by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. God bless you, everyone. Love you all.